Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 11, issue 520. And today we're going to talk about control. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Brian Edwards. Hello, all of my Casper darlings. <laughs> nice. Carl Moon. Hey, everyone. And Leah, how you do? I cannot wait to uh, discuss the objects of power that we find around our podcast. <laughs> What is control, listener, if you are uninitiated? It is a, I say, it's a third-person character action shooter with strong supernatural and Metroidvania elements. Am I missing anything from the skinny version there? I don't think so. That, that's that's uh, pretty, uh, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. I'll also issue a spoiler warning at this point. There's a lot of story. Uh, I mean, I think there's more than I took in, certainly, if you include all the many, many, many collectibles, which is something we'll talk about. Yeah, there's a lot you can miss, um, which is is interesting. Tons you can miss, tons you can not understand, (laughs) tons tons of story, uh, some of which we may spoil. If you still want to play this game, you may have it in your back catalogue. Be warned. So our histories with Control. Carl, let's start with you. Mainly because I know you're uh, a fan of the studio, so I wonder if you had some hype going into the release of Control. Yeah, so this was kind of twofold. Obviously, first, I am like a really big Remedy fan, uh, you know, all the way from, obviously, the Max Payne days, uh, but especially probably Alan Wake. I know probably a lot of the listeners that have heard me on podcasts before have probably heard me talk about Alan Wake because I think I've done it on like three, three or four different podcasts now. Um, and that was it's not quite up there with Dark Souls and Super Meat Boy as the <laughs> games we always mention, but yeah, I mean, I mean, full podcasts dedicated to that one game <laughs> for different shows. Um, and that that's obviously quite a, a a big deal for me in terms of that design. But then the other the other factor that really pulled me in is, as I'm sure you're all aware and probably sick of hearing me talk about now um i did games design uh through university and when i graduated in that um my specialist area was sort of like 3d environmental design for games and that's always one of the areas that i felt that remedy really nailed in terms of being pulled into their environments and their environmental storytelling and further to that was the uh, push of you know ray tracing technology and and control was going to be like the the headline ray traced visual spectacular on pc uh of course i didn't have a pc that was capable of doing it but it didn't stop me following um all the news about control so i had both the you know the the, the technical drive to see what this game was around as well as the sort of the, the passion and love for the stories and the world telling that that remedy do as a game and and I, I kind of had to experience it, albeit without the ray tracing uh, visual aspect, but certainly in terms of the attempt of the world. So, you know, day absolute day one purchase on the uh, Xbox One, which, you know, we'll get into performance issues. Uh, I know Leah yeah, had yeah. a few. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so that, that was a, a, an up-down experience, but a very exciting time. Um, it was one of the sort of the game launches towards the end of the previous generation of consoles that, really had me 
um, hooked all in, kind of excited to read about the technology, but to try and avoid everything I possibly could about the characters and the story, which is quite difficult to do, but quite fascinating yeah. because we're now at a period of time where we have like resources like Digital Foundry and you know, we've had Gamma Sutra do articles around technology for years and, and being able to digest the, the technical components of it, but not necessarily the uh, the story-based stuff was, it was it, it was kind of a, a bit of heaven for me, really, in terms of being excited for the launch of this game. Excellent. Uh, got all the trophies or achievements or whatever? Yeah, so I've got all the base achievements um, on the Xbox. I went back through on Ultimate Edition on PS4. Um, including one DLC, but don't have the one for all the upgrades because you've got to find all the secrets. Um, yeah. So I was going to do that after doing both DLCs, but I'll talk about the oh, yeah. the burnout in regards to the DLC sure. factor when we get to that point, which is why I've not quite done it yet. Yeah, yeah. And Leah, uh, I can't remember where you are with uh, Remedy's previous work, but um, what's your history with this one? So my history with Remedy uh, actually didn't really start until Alan Wake. I have never played a Max Payne game, uh, and mm -hmm. I have thought about it because I, going kind of thinking about it back, like they never really struck me as things I'd enjoy, but now that I've mm. been through Control uh, and Alan Wake and enjoyed them both quite a lot, I also played Quantum Break, which I didn't think was as bad as many mm -hmm. people seemed to have noticed. I it, had some problems, but, you know, that's a different show. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I haven't played any of the Max Payne games, uh, so maybe when they put out the remake that they're working on. Uh, Alan Wake, I loved. I I really just was into the... Um, less the actual gameplay type itself. What really drew me in for that was the kind of supernatural horror elements. Uh, the fact that He's, I mean, he's basically an analog for Stephen King, which is I, I thought was a really cool way to um, to set up your game and to, to kind of have centered around that. And I loved that. So I'm not really sure why, but I wasn't really interested in control before it launched. Like I, I it wasn't that I that I wasn't interested as in, oh, I don't even want to see it. It's just it wasn't even really on my radar. I just hadn't really considered it. Um, yeah. But then when it launched and everybody was saying such wonderful things about it and I actually got to see some of what it was actually about, I thought this really looks like a game for me. Uh, it, it, it has uh, some very strong X-Files vibes to me and that is my favorite show of all time so um all right. that's uh that's kind of what got me in and then i picked it up on the ps4 a little bit after launch and played it pretty much straight away which is um if you know anything about me from listening to my podcast appearances is not something that i do frequently picking it up yes but then it usually will sit <laughs> on my shelf for a while because <laughs> of the unreasonable frankly unreasonable backlog that i have nobody to blame for but myself but um yeah well, and us well I mean, yeah but you know i'm i, I don't have to buy all these <laughs> games when they come out That's but true. i do anyway so uh but yeah control yeah. i played pretty much right away um ended up absolutely loving it i i Played it on the PS4 to start with, uh, and yeah, I we'll, we'll talk about the technical issues a little bit. I I, I didn't have anything game breaking, but there were some some definite performance things mm. that I was maybe not the biggest fan of. Uh, but uh, got the platinum trophy 
for that yeah. version. And I I don't think that I finished all of the achievements um, for the DLCs when I played those. Because I, I played the DLCs just as they came out uh, the first time yeah. around. And then I have that copy of the uh, Ultimate Edition for PS5, which I think they... Was that... There was a PlayStation Plus game, wasn't it? Yeah, at it, some was. Point? it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, I probably would have bought it anyway again because I, I just really liked the game that much. Uh, and that was the version that I played replaying for the podcast, which mm. thankfully lifted almost all of my technical issues and yeah. um, has different trophies than the PS... than the uh, just base copy. So oh, I did right. not get the okay. platinum trophy for that one yet. I I kind of peeked around to see if uh, if it was something I wanted to go for. Probably not now, but I can I can see myself going back and maybe maybe doing that in the future. We'll see. But uh, but yeah, yeah I replayed everything, uh, including the two expansions, um, with that ultimate edition as well. Excellent work. Now, because uh, because Leah hates Josh, uh, <laughs> she she demanded she Famously so. she kept. She came to me and demanded that I throw him off this show. Said, I'm not going to be on another recording with that that person. In favor of her buddy, Brian. <laughs> uh, actually, what happened was she she rightly pointed out that uh, that Brian had written a piece for our site. Uh, we're not doing so much website content anymore. But uh, back in 2019, the year of the game's release, Brian wrote a piece for us about control. And uh, and so it's, uh, it's a game that... Uh, resonates with you and had something to say for you yeah um so much like carl and leah my history is very similar to them um in the fact that uh i, I was a fan of max Payne one and two in fact max Payne one is the first game i played in college on my new pc that i bought with college money for college Ooh. um so i i, I was a big <laughs> max Payne one and two fan did you need ray tracing support for your college no i did not chance? i did not um in fact i didn't even have an ethernet card in it and was wondering why i couldn't connect to the network because i had no idea ah. how, how <laughs> t1 lands worked at all but um uh, but anyway, so I, I was a pretty big Remedy fan um, uh, leading into it. Um, I, the only Remedy game I think that I haven't touched is Quantum Break, but that's only because I didn't have an Xbox One at the time that it came out. Um, so it's oh, one of yeah. those things that it's been downloaded off of Game Pass for me for a while. I just haven't made my way to get to it. Um, so I was I was very aware of Control when it came out, and I think I watched a Digital Foundry uh, like history of Remedy um, or or kind of like leading up to this to the game's release, or maybe it was kind of a Digital Foundry like kind of recap on some of the quantum break stuff that I'd watched and I kind of got amped for it with some giant bomb preview coverage. And, um, and I was lucky enough because I believe unless I'm mistaking it. Yeah. The game came out the last week of August and traditionally in the job that I had previous to this one, I had the last two weeks of August off every year. So I was always looking for something to play during that time. So when control came out, it was a day one purchase for me. Um, uh, from what I understand with the technical issues, I played it originally on an Xbox one X which for console players I think was probably the best bet. Um, yep. So I I think I lucked out in just the platform that I had to play it on. And yeah, I kind of just, I spent the better part of two or three days in a row just playing nothing but control. Uh, over the course of that week, I ended up getting, uh, you know, all thousand achievement points, played through the DLCs when they came out, got the ultimate edition, much like uh, Carl and, and Leah did, and replayed it again leading up to the show. And uh, I was looking at my my trophy, or excuse me, my um, my achievement history, and I uh, completed the game with a thousand points. Um, I think it was about a week and a half after the game originally came out. So I so I just absolutely lived in it for a while, and I played played through it again over the course of the last maybe three or four weeks um, here and there. And I think I'm 
I think I think I'm at like 850 points. So I'm eventually going to go back in. and I'm going to compl- get all those achievements again as time goes on. But but yeah, um, game had a had a pretty profound impact on me for for different reasons. Um, although I think I will share some of the uh, technical hiccups that uh, that have already been mentioned a few times. But yeah, super mm-hmm. excited to be on the show and um, and much like Leah, I'm happy to finally take that Josh Garrity down a peg or two. You know, um, yeah, too um, right. <laughs> no, I felt wildly uncomfortable about this to be honest. <laughs> so he's absolutely uh, fine but um he 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 believes that uh his sort of general feelings on the game will be uh represented by my own take uh which is interesting because i don't think he knows exactly how i feel about it but we kind of we kind of vibe on these things quite a bit yeah. uh, i don't have too much history with the game i remember it being on the way but i don't remember being super hyped for it but i remember being interested in it as i am in loads and loads and loads of games uh, i don't I didn't have any intention to kind of buy it day one. I remember a copy of it turning up in my shared Xbox library with Darren Gargett because I think Carl bought it for him as a gift. So I got it yeah. as well. Oh, nice. um, but uh, but I didn't get around to, to playing that version. And I can't remember if it was announced or whether it was just expected that there was going to be a, a next gen update. So I just kind of held off. Uh, and so, yes, any PlayStation Plus subscriber with a PS5, or you could add it to your library anyway, but uh, February 2021, it got added to the collection. And uh, and I think that was probably around that point that I decided that it would uh, almost certainly feature in a future podcast. And yeah, saved it until I played it for the show, played it over the last, I don't know, I've, I feel like I've played quite a lot of hours. I'm not sure exactly sure how many, um, but yeah, I've done... I've got like 80 percent of the trophies um and completed the the whole base game on normal most of the dlc and then i just went back in and mopped up some stuff using the um the rather delightful accessibility options or or Hmm. or whatever they call them in this game which allow you to go in and basically you i mean you can you can be completely you can turn god mode on if you want um, but I just decided to go back in and grab some more collectibles using the one hit kill mode, which was very satisfying. Um, we'll get into the sort of the combat and, and stuff. Um, Something nice about that, uh, the accessibility stuff is that mm. uh, I won't go into it too deeply right now, but you can turn it on and off whenever. That's right. Which is nice yeah. because I, I, for the most part, I didn't use much of it, but uh, no, there is no. one particular boss fight in the... Yes. Um, in the DLC that I yep. had done, I had done, I don't know if these were all options in the base game because I, I didn't use any of them. I didn't realize they were there if they, if they were, but uh, in the, um, in the ultimate edition, um, one of the boss fights, like I was in this boss fight for a long time and I was like, I'm just mm-hmm. not getting anywhere. So I turned on the one hit kill mode, killed the boss and then turned it yeah. back off. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I think that was featured in one of those digital foundry videos too, Leah, that, um, oh, that was there. Okay. So um, yeah, I remember right. reading about that. Yeah. And it very kindly doesn't lock out any trophy uh, progress or anything like that. You can play it however you want. If you if you want to make it easier, you can just either drop the difficulty level or uh, there's also, I think there's sliders for regaining health and stuff like this. So, um, yeah, it's all it's all good. Um, but, yeah, if you want to play it Iron Man or whatever, Iron Jesse, and, uh, and play it all on <laughs> the hardest level and never touch any of that stuff, then knock yourself out. As we say, Remedy made the game. I think you're familiar with the history. We've covered Max Payne and Alan Wake in the past. We haven't covered Quantum Break as yet. Uh, I've never played it. 
Director of this one is Mikhail Kasarinen. Uh, apologies to any Finnish or Finnish familiar listeners because I have never practiced any Finnish pronunciation other than the occasional football player. Uh, Mikhail previously worked on Max Payne 2 and Alan Wake, but also went off to work with DICE on the single player components of Battlefields 4 and 1, hmm. which is interesting. And then back with Remedy for Quantum Break. The producer is Juha Vainio, who is the former Angry Birds producer, which I would think would count as a commercial success. <laughs> uh, d designer is Paul Ereth, who had previously worked on an interesting array of games, including Halo 4, Kinect Adventures and the 2007 RPG reboot Shadowrun, which uh, I believe all of those games are imminently about to appear on Game Pass. Seems to have just come out. Or just come out. Yeah. Right. At the time of recording. Uh, one of the key programmers is Sean Donnelly, who was a former Criterion coder, having worked on the likes of Need for Speed Most Wanted in 2012. Uh, Sam Lake, a sort of studio figurehead, is one of the writers, along with Josh Stubbs. And the composers are Petri Lanko, who I think made his debut with uh, with Alan Wake back in 2010 and has worked on uh, most of uh, Remedy stuff since, but also has done work on the Trials games, which are also Finnish, I think. They, they from yes, Finland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Martin Stig Anderson is the other composer who made his debut with The Amazing Limbo and has also worked, of course, on Inside and Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. So I think it's fair to say we can kind of Say right from the off, the PC version of this, uh, if you have a capable PC and a ray tracing compatible graphics card and all that, you can get you can get the most out of this game in terms of you could run it at a high frame rate and with the ray tracing on. Whereas even on the current gen consoles, PS5 and Xbox Series X, it is a choice that you will want to make. But going back to the PS4 and Xbox One release in 27th, August 2019 it was a game that was perhaps a late gen game that was perhaps asking a bit much of its host platforms even with the the One X and the Pro there things like loading times were a big issue we have Telepri from our forum who says my experience was absolutely not helped by playing on PS4 load times after dying especially in the jukebox upset me an embarrassing amount and Mark Hoogaboom from our Patreon says, I love the world and atmosphere of control with its brutalist architecture and splashes of classic remedy weirdness, varying from a room full of clocks to a dancing Dr. Darling. And it's never not fun to fling heavy objects at enemies while floating in midair. However, some severe difficulty spikes and two tedious climactic battles of which the second one is drenched in blindingly reddish hues took away a lot of the fun for me, especially given the PS4's extensive loading times. Waiting 30 seconds to die within 10 seconds is hardly ever fun. I ended up abandoning control with the finish line literally in sight, but I'm sure I will play it again someday on my Series S, given its improved performance on the new generation of consoles. So yeah, loading times is one thing, and frame rates is another. Yeah, I, I'm, not a, um, I'm not a person who can normally really tell the difference between many various frame rates like i can tell if something's mm -hmm. 30 or 60 and i can tell if there are massive drops but i don't really care normally as long as it's yeah. consistent yeah. um and this was not in because i mean <laughs> control is a very busy game visually because there are a lot oh, yeah. of um 
uh, a lot of particle effects and um, a lot of just visual, stylistically um, intense scenes, which makes it look great, but it also means that it's it is asking a lot in the way of processing power, and the PS4 did sometimes struggle to keep up with that, um, particularly in larger fights, or if you were, yeah. as I was, throwing things at anything <laughs> that I possibly oh, yeah. could. <laughs> yeah. Steve Norman from our forum says, This was my first experience of cloud gaming when it arrived on Switch, and I was mostly curious about the tech over the game itself. Unfortunately, it wasn't my first experience of motion sickness in a game, but was about the worst outside of VR, and there was no way I could see it through. Possibly a mix of colour palette relating to my colour blindness, frame rate and motion blur, but not much fun, whatever it was. You can turn the motion blur off. That might help. Uh, I assume that option is sitting there on the Switch Cloud version, which I assume is just a PC version or something running and you access it via the Switch, via the cloud. I don't know, but I don't think there's been a single Switch Cloud version game that's had positive reviews yet. The PS5 and Xbox Series version then arrived 2nd of February 2021, immediately added to the PlayStation Plus library, which is how many of us have got it as subscribers. It was also on Game Pass on the Xbox from February 2021 to February 2022. Not currently there, I guess. They didn't re-sign that one. Another streaming service, Stadia, it arrived on there July 2021. Reviews for the game overall are pretty positive without being hyperbolically stellar. 84% average on Open Critic, recommended by 90% of 180 reviewers. Sales-wise, by December 2020, the game had sold over 2 million units across all platforms. Remedy stated Control was their fastest growing intellectual property since Max Payne, which is an interesting qualifier. Um, <laughs> uh, it's so bigger than yeah. Alan Wake and Quantum Break is all they're saying there. Well, really. I, I know Max Payne 2 was a, a a huge failure for them in terms of sales as well. Was it? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, by August 2021, Remedy stated that over 10 million people had played Control, accounting for those that played it through Game Pass and other non-sales routes, according to Wikipedia. In the user reviews, Steam it has a very positive from 23,000 folks. Metacritic, 7.3 from 1,300. IMDb, it's got 8.1. And on Push Square, it's got 8.2. Pretty solid. But there are naysayers out there, including our own Alex79 from the forum, who says, I didn't like the story, the repetitive enemies and environment, or the characters. I just found the game boring. The powers Jesse unlocks as you played through the game did start to get a little more interesting the further you got. And mechanically, the game functioned okay. The actual combat and shooting itself wasn't too bad, and a sequel set in a more interesting place might work for me. <laughs> but as it stands, Control isn't really a game I'd ever be interested in replaying. The environment is something that comes up a lot in uh, criticisms that I've received. We'll hear more from correspondents as we go through. The scenario is essentially... You are Jesse Faden, a young woman with a troubled past. You become the new director of the Bureau of Control, our frontline in researching and fighting against supernatural enemies like the Hiss, which is what she calls them, threatening our very existence. And the game takes place exclusively in and around this place called The Oldest House, which is a big office, but it's not a normal office. It could, you could think it is. It's based on a, a real building in 
uh, Lower Manhattan, mm-hmm. New York City. Either of you American folks seen this 33 Thomas Street? Yes. Yeah, I've been there. Um, only once. Cool. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. In um, 2019, just before the pandemic, hit, we went there in the winter. And um, I was uh, it was it was only my second time in in Manhattan. And the first time I was mm-hmm. in Manhattan, I kind of had a had a bit of a tour guide and then um, a, a friend who lived there. The second time we were sh- showing ourselves around and my wife had real things she wanted to see, like museums and other stuff. And I, I wanted to go to the library to see the, <laughs> the open control building. from Ghostbusters. <laughs> and I went to the control building. And yeah, so <laughs> we made our way around, did the did that thing. Um, yeah, it, it, it looks obviously from the from the facade, but you only really get to see the facade of the building once yeah. in the game right at the beginning. So, yeah, uh, but it yeah. is it is clearly that building. though. there's not much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Much. So it's this monolithic, brutalistic, late 60s, early 70s design. It was uh, owned by AT&T mm. for many years. and uh, But inside, of course, uh, this being a supernatural game and a video game, it goes all wacky. <laughs> if, <laughs> someone wants to, if someone wants to explain, uh, like, so there's kind of, um, was it... Uh, uh, superliminal aspects and non-Euclidean aspects to this building based on the fact that it's in touch with the other dimensional entities. Yeah, the, the, the astral plane there. Um, yeah, so essentially, uh, as you're going through the house, you are unlocking these control points, which is which serve as fast travel hubs. Um, but really what they are, uh, from a story perspective, they are kind of um, like essentially controlling the house itself and so like you'll see these kind of you go into a room and you'll, you kind of know right away whether or not there's a control point one because it has this little um kind of uh, astrological like spinning around it you can see it from a distance but also you'll see that like the clear exits and entryways are all blocked by these real kind of monoliths and like walls that are jutting out at these crazy angles and stuff and and once you activate the control point using you know uh, jesse's director power there whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. um the room kind of takes more traditional shape and you're, you're allowed to progress but basically it's um the best way i could uh think the best allegory i could think to use for it was kind of like um hogwarts from the harry potter series is like the ah, staircases yeah. are always shifting every route is a little bit different but in the in the essence of playing the game once you kind of unlock that area in the way that it is it doesn't change actively as you're playing the game you kind of come in no see it in a way change it back to its quote-unquote normal style and then it mm. stays that way um but it serves as almost like checkpoint gating and, and almost every one of those is a company with a combat arena before you can you know kind of get the yeah. house back in order as it were and there are some pretty striking startling moments like where you'll go into a toilet cubicle and come out into a vast open sky full of irregular blocky obelisks Mm -hmm. and things like this so it's it isn't like i I find it interesting a lot of people kind of obviously just weren't inspired by the the setting of this seemingly this this brutalist office block which is kind of has sort of a future retro vibe inside it uh but to me i don't know about uh you leah and carl the that uh, actually putting horror and i think this is kind it's it's certainly horror adjacent this game in a lot of ways horror supernatural horror anyway yeah um putting sp- spooky scary stuff in a very mundane environment actually really works for me because it's far more relatable than yet another kind of bleeding hellscape oh yeah no i i totally agree with that that's that's kind of uh relevant to the uh the x-files connection that i mentioned because you know yes, that, that right, whole thing 100%. is you know it's it's set in the fbi which is 
probably i i don't know and i'm sorry if we have any fbi agents amongst our listeners but it's probably <laughs> normally one of the most boring places in the world but you know it's it's these different um uh kind of supernatural or paranormal events that uh that kind of get filtered through that very regulated and very um kind of solid down to earth setting and here, I mean, even the setting isn't really down to earth because it, it, you know, you and you can find explanations depending on how much of the the side stuff that you read. But um, <laughs> it's you know you're you're going through here, and this is this is very clearly one of the most bureaucratic places that you can possibly yeah. imagine. You know, you've got redacted documents, you've got um, <laughs> what what amount to training videos that have been uh, have been posted around in different places and it's it's all very standard and just uh strict and boring and and everything and then you have what's actually going on there and people are treating their i mean it's it's you know it's a very simple dichotomy there of stuff that is very we are doing this every day this is just our life but the things that they're talking about are literally other dimensions and uh, and just things that no per but a uh, a person who wasn't within this uh, setting on a regular basis would look at one of them and just be completely freaked out. But this is just their their every day, you know. It's well, I guess we're pulling the light cord three times and going through the motel again because that's <laughs> yeah. just what we do. That's that's one of the things that honestly drew me most of this game is is without getting too specific is that I identify with that a lot um, mm -hmm. with my life and and just kind of working for a bureaucracy myself and just kind of seeing these things in memo form that become normal to you and then you realize that the people who do not work in your uh, field or or area would find them very bizarre and that things mm -hmm. that would happen at your job at a regular basis that are normal to you may. Like for an outsider coming in, be like, what? What is happening here? Um, I identify with that, like on a on a very deep level. Um, there's something yeah. so great about um when I started my playthrough again a few weeks ago, coming through and you're seeing like the list of unallowable items. So it's like you know <laughs> going through the first. It's like one of the first collectibles you can find. You're going through the metal yeah. detector, and it's like you can't bring in firearms, explosives, and then it's like number two pencils, rubber ducks, bars of soap. It's like what is <laughs> happening, you know, in this place? And um, but it's all written in that very standard, like you said, Leah. Like it's got the letterhead on top every letterhead has the same thing it has the same seal at the bottom you keep seeing the same names of these the directors of different um departments that are issuing these memos to their staff which is very s similar to how any governmental organization would run it's just they're talking about sometimes you know the wildest things and um yeah i, I could see that maybe becoming drab over a time to to certain people i, I kind of uh, when I was uh, looking at um, Alex's um, correspondence, mm. that I was like, I didn't feel that way, but yeah, I could totally see somebody walking. It's like, oh, it's just, it's just an office. There's nothing, there's nothing yeah. supernatural about that. I mean, there definitely is, but you know, just the general environment is kind of ho hum. I did not perceive it that way, but I could absolutely see that perspective. The the thing that I I think that I it, we've been kind of circling around is is how ordinary the environment seems. Um, yeah. As weird as it sounds with the control points and all the geometry, Leon was mentioning before. Like it is really ordinary offices, but the thing that the the game drives home so quickly that I, that I really love is how how everything in that place seems ordinary, but everything is absolutely n very far yeah. from it. Like like even like the objects of power that you're talking about and these psychological things, um, 
uh, you know, this, these kind of paranormal things that you're coming across, they're always based in the most ordinary of household objects, the most ordinary of um, uh, just just kind of run of the mill things that you would engage with on a daily basis. There's something so minimalist and so interesting about coming across like a, a cell that's clearly a containment cell with with, you know, cameras all around it and all the security detail. And inside there's just a light bulb. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just it takes those ordinary things and you, it's one of the the game has you kind of on, on your back feet at all times as to and it doesn't overuse it and it never becomes like jump scary or, or shocking in any way. But it just like just the idea that anything in in there can at any point be something else. And I think it's so effective because it really, it, really is. It, it hangs over every aspect of the game. You come into paranormal research for the first time and you walk into that room where you end up unlocking Jesse's gold suit. Um, but there's just all of these, just kind of, there's the, the waving, uh, the, the good luck cats that I can never remember the name of, um, from Japanese culture and that are waving at you. And it kind of has those, um, those, uh, uh, like it has a roulette wheel and all, all this, these, it's all of, the good luck stuff, isn't it? The yeah. horseshoe and stuff. That's in yeah. There. And it just, but, but every normal quote, quote unquote, normal run of the mill object is potentially this source of amazing danger and power i think that's very effective and it really worked for me um did yeah. anyone else find the secret luigi's mansion style haunted haunted vending machine yes yes so. I, I Maybe found I this yesterday I about it what? this this was almost a jump square jump scare but it was actually <laughs> funny because i was just like near this vending machine i can't remember if i did a dash or something and then it kind of you know kind of cackles and comes alive and uh, yeah. alive and starts running down the corridor <laughs> then you pop it and uh, and it spews out a load of uh, fairly decent um runes or whatever they I don't are think I, I don't think i actually did get to find that where weird it's the subtle nature of when things are introduced it doesn't necessarily like sell the stuff in advance of it happening and there's one really subtle bit right at the start that that I want to talk about because I didn't even notice it the first time I played it but I did the second time and it's after you enter the building for the first time and you go and meet you know Artie the uh the janitor and you leave the room and you walk the opposite way to where you came um or uh, and it actually takes you in a in the reverse area so you go sorry you go the opposite way of where you right. came because you don't need to return mm-hmm. mm. but actually that does now take you back to where you came from hmm. so it flips and mirrors the world yeah right in terms of your route and you're like hang on and, and i was thinking like am i no that's I really going to discombobulate you yeah, yeah. Even, it, even like i didn't really clock that but it does it's that kind of thing because your brain is we've talked recently about how our, how each of our minds works and how i don't think i've got the best brain at mapping out spaces but stuff like that's going to really mess me about <laughs> yeah and the fact that I didn't even clock it the first time, but the second time I did, really highlighted how brilliant some things in that game can be, and that actually blew me away because I was I was very aware of the direction I came from and intentionally went in the opposite direction, only to end up going back to the start. And I was like, "That that's wrong! Like I know I went the right way, mm. and it still did it." So yeah, just things like that, that little subtle tweaks of. I suppose, like psychological horror, and bringing it in into that aspect of hmm. you know taking things out of your control that you think are in your control. Designer Matt from our forum says it's the world here that really drew me in. The deeper Jesse and I went into the oldest house, the more it surprised and delighted me with places, monsters, and mysteries I'd never seen before. Whilst the main plot felt like it ended a bit too soon, I loved how much craft had gone into little details and side missions. 
For example, the guy in a cell who's not allowed to take his eyes off a fridge. You could easily never find him, but when you do, you discover a whole side story that has you sucked into the fridge to battle a giant Lovecraftian space worm. Details like that showed me just how much thought and care had gone into this game. Matt L from our forum says, I read time and uh, time and again that the oldest house was a character in and of itself and was constantly shifting and changing, and I found neither to be true. It was a static grey office building that featured an absurd amount of collectibles that recite the mundane world of a professional office that just so <laughs> happens to deal with the least mundane people, things and events in the world. I'm not opposed to having lower collectibles, but I need to first care about the main story, and I just didn't, due in large part to the performances of the majority of the game's cast. Jesse's performance in particular is as grey and blank as the concrete walls within the oldest house. <laughs> I um... Disagree, but go, <laughs> go <Yeah>. off, Brian. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I obviously disagree with that, I, but I, I respect that, that opinion just because sure. um, there are, it's an overwhelming amount of collectibles. In fact, my... But my personal only complaint about the collectibles is that the text is so small. Um, and even though with ah. with the zoom function, it was difficult to read. In fact, I actually, oh, really? for the second half of the game, I, I kind of set up a different um, setup for so I could be a little closer to the TV. I know, Leon, you've talked about it quite a bit, that you're pretty close to the TV, so you don't have yep. as much trouble reading that. Um, and I actually... I was so invested in those that I created a setup to to get closer, you know, because I wanted to read right. and pour over every page of that stuff. I didn't do it as much on the second playthrough. I mean, I still did it a lot, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I um, yeah, all those those mundane things he talks about are those are the those are those like juicy details that I found myself hanging on to to yeah. to, to get me through an area, and, and I would find myself you could find a collectible in 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 one room, and then. That collectible references the way a poster is tilted on the wall, and then you see it, and you're connecting these things. That if you just decided to breeze past it, you you could, and you would miss nothing from the experience of actually playing Control. Right? You're not losing, missing out on powers. You're not missing out on you know uh, weapons or anything like that. But for mm -hmm. me, you'd be missing out on what I kind of feel is the heart of it. Um, and but that's but that's also things that I enjoy and I, I chose to engage with. So um, it, it's definitely uh, it definitely, you know, creates a bit of polarity there. Um, no pun intended. Um, and, uh, and yeah, <laughs> but but it's interesting to read that perspective just because for me playing yeah. it in my vacuum, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This has got to be whatever. Everybody's got to love this stuff, you know. So yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, 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 I will say one small complaint I have about the collectibles. And this is just something that um, it, it's just in the way that it's presented. This is not unique to this game. Um, but the when you get some of the um, audio collectibles, like the audio yeah. logs, you kind of have to stay in one place in order to <laughs> yeah. listen to yeah. them. Either if yeah. you do it through your menu, uh, you know, through your collectibles menu, or if you're just listening to them yeah. in the background, like... They will like the sound is coming from the tape player or whatever it is. Yeah. So if you get too far away from it, you won't be able to hear it anymore. And yeah, that that I don't I, want to cut you off, Leah, but yeah. Bioshock solved this in 2007. <laughs> Bioshock yeah. had audio logs and they just played with you. You could just pick yep. them up and they would play as you ran. I loved it. I don't. Yep. Sorry. I just it, it no, was no, solved no, that's 15 years ago. 100%. I, I'm shocked that it still happens. Telepri from our forum says. 
Why are there audio visual logs that I have to completely stop what I'm doing to listen to or to watch? I feel like Bioshock and plenty of other games have already solved this. Sometimes an FMV would play as a cutscene, but only show part of the full thing. So after watching 40 seconds of a video, I'd open up a menu to see the remaining minute or two of it. I feel so strongly because I see glimpses of a game that I would love inside of Control, but it is thoroughly bogged down with, well, everything I've just been ranting about. <laughs> Seth from our forum says, The story is a confusing mess, which isn't to say it's bad, just that I actually found myself caring little about what was going on and instead was more focused on finding new areas of the building. The side quests are great fun, though. They felt like Monster of the Week episodes that added more to the lore of the world and the weirdness of the objects of power. While the support characters are a little flat, I thought Jessie was fantastic, and the inner monologues did a great job to help you connect with her. The acting across the board is great, especially from Courtney Hope in the lead, and the velvety-voiced James McCaffrey. So yeah, Courtney Hope and Jessie, uh, what do you folks think? So we've got one very negative correspondent and one very positive. I thought she was great. I... I, I thought that Jesse's performance was definitely the strongest, um, except for maybe uh, Casper Darling, who, um, he, yeah. so he's, that's, that actor, um, whose name is escaping me right now, somebody help, please. Anybody? That is Matthew Peretta. Okay, thank you. Uh, he's, is he not the, he's like somebody, is he Max Payne, or was he Alan Wake? He's, he was Alan Wake. Okay, yeah, Alan okay. Wake, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say I know he was like one of the other main characters of one of yeah. the other games, but I couldn't remember who it was. Um, but yeah, I mean I, that is an intentionally over the top performance that I thought worked pretty well. Um, but uh, but Jesse, yeah, I I I thought uh, Courtney Hope did a, a fantastic job. Yeah, I I I really connected with Jesse for a lot of different reasons in this game, but um, I think she plays that that unwilling protagonist, unwilling hero, unwilling leader really well. Um, it's funny because because you can completely miss this part, but I I was going back through much like Yulian today and mopping up some side quests, and I had the side quest from Ati, which was just talk to the plants. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and I went and I and I was talking to the plants, and like the first four plants she talks to, she's like, "Hey, huh? like kind of this weird like, why do I have a quest to talk to plants? You know, <laughs> how are you doing?" And then the fifth the fifth out of the sixth one you talk to, she's like, "She's like, why are?" why do they trust me as a leader? Like these people don't know me. And she's actually talking to the plant about the things she's feeling in her head. And it was just this wonderful, profound moment of this woman who's clearly very powerful, clearly very connected to the pair the, 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 the paranormal that she's engaging with, but also still wildly insecure and not understanding why anybody just in this weird building, because she picked up the, the gun and the gun chose her that like all of a sudden she's now this authority and like, her coming to grips with that and her, to grips with her own motivations of why she's even there to begin with, I, that all worked for me on a on, on a on a deep level. And um, I I honestly think the, the some of the character performance with Jesse falls apart not due to her but due to her brother. Um, we we will probably get to, but um, but her performance and her motivations and the kind of inner monologue stuff. This was a game where. I was going through every dialogue option in every conversation, ju not just because I liked the world and wanted to hear what was going on, but I was—I really believed that this person was kind of like, I'll do whatever it takes to find my brother, and even if that means that I have to run this giant organization just to figure out what's going on. Um, that was incredibly effective for me, and I, I think the voice acting really kind of drove that home. It, I, yeah, so one of the things that I find that Remedy... Uh, 
do very differently in each of the game is how they actually handle the role of the main protagonist. So you've got someone like Max Payne is obviously he's very um much the center of everything that happens in that game and the situations around him. And to a similar degree, Alan Wake is a little bit the same in this strange location trying to figure things out. Um Jesse is far more um sat back with the craziness of characters like Casper Darling or Artie who are really out there and, mm. and bold or the supplementary characters who offer you all the side quests that everything in their area is so normal. And Jesse's the one going, yeah, but that's not really normal, is it? It's a bit, you know, but this almost is all a bit to strange a fault happening in the, around. My, my, I completely agree with you. And, and that helps you uh, have a, a grounding in the world as the player. But it's, Almost the fact that she gets these extraordinary powers is so underplayed and understated. It really is, yeah. She does uh, just kind of take everything in stride, which I guess she yeah. kind of has to as yeah. just for the sake of the game. But yeah, it is it is very abrupt. And seemingly. That that yeah, that's kind of where I had a bit of a disconnect from from Jesse. Mm. She's a good she's a good character in terms of having everything else play around her in terms of the world and everything else being a bit more interesting. But I found that she was actually quite a boring character and the motivations didn't seem to match the actions as much. I, I don't know. I've, I felt like that was a little bit missed. But in terms of like memorable characters, she's not one of the better uh, leads that, that Remedy have done. But I, did, I didn't dislike her either. I think her role had to be like that for everything else to work around it in a strange way. So I, I, I do appreciate it. I do appreciate that approach that they took to crafting her character. But the voice work, yeah, very good. So uh, I, I, I'm i going to disagree with a little bit of what you said. I, I do agree uh, with what you said about her being set back and how it needed to be that way for the story. I also think it's funny. I mean, the name of the game is Control, and, and obviously there's a lot to be said about how, you know, is she in control of her situation? Control comes up a lot. Um, but... I, the one thing I, I think that is kind of taken out of the the scope of her character is that she's essentially kind of just a vessel for a bunch of this game because mm -hmm. her motivation and her the whole reason she's there is because she's being essentially guided. Her inner voice is it really her inner voice? She's being guided by this kind of this supernatural entity that it's, has kind of inherited her mind that is kind of driving her. So even though she has all of her own motivation, she's also kind of just a husk as well that's being driven by the motivations of, of Polaris who's inside her head, which we haven't talked about yet, but whatever. Um, I, I think, <laughs> I think that um, for me, all of those things working together, like I, I was always kind of questioning whether her decisions were her own or whether she was being driven by, by something else. And uh, she certainly does just roll with everything. Like she, she, she gets in the astral plane and her, her attitude is like, Oh cool. And not like, Oh my <laughs> God, what's happening? You know? Yeah. Like, so I, so there is a little disconnect there for sure, but overall, there's no uh, sanity meter. In no, this game. <laughs> no, no, there's not, there's no, the TV is not going to go mute on its own um, <laughs> in this game, but, but it, it does work for me in the sense that I think that, whether it's her, whether it's Polaris in her head, whatever the motivations it is, she is fully committed to just going through the motions to get to her end game, and in yeah. also in turn the the entity that's living in her head that their end game as well. That I think she just kind of is willing to go through whatever at this point, and I yeah. find that appealing to me. Um, but I also but, understand that it can kind of 
like kind of throw you off base. It's just like, oh, she gets through yeah, the mystery she's... maze and says, this is awesome, when most people would be like, I almost died a hundred <laughs> yeah, times. Most people you know would I mean? like... lean off to the side and throw up. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. I, think, I guess the idea is that she's, because this stuff has been, weird stuff has been in and around her since she was a child and her brother, she's inured to it. She's kind of blasé to it almost. Nick Radusin from our Patreon says, I mostly enjoyed Control, but honestly, I couldn't really understand what was going on with the story. Also, the difficulty is all over the place. Towards the end, I had to turn it down to easy. That said, I did love the protagonist. And Nick Fontana from our Patreon says, I love how at first it feels like Jessie is talking to you, the player, and there's something very intimate hearing her thought process, her doubts and the small remarks she has about other characters. I found her to be quite likeable as a protagonist and admirable in her determination and will to find the truth as well as her open mind towards other people's uh, others towards people others may consider to be weird. So yeah, supporting cast, uh, some of them are just, I would say, little more than quest givers, uh, the likes of the security chief guy and the guy who works in the um, wherever he is, uh, Langston. Um, but uh, her brother is a character, Dylan. Um, she again, uh, she, she's obviously supposed to be uh, close to him and worried about him. And there's what's the I, there's a presumably canonical and complex reason why she's the director and he's this all powerful thing. And where does Polaris come into this? So, if I understand this correctly, um, the Polaris, uh, so when when Jesse and Dylan were uh, children, they yep. found an object of power that allowed this entity, Polaris, to sort of possess them, more like take up residence in their heads. Yeah, um, they basically opened up the, like, the, the dimension, and this was the thing yeah, that came yeah, through. Yeah. So it, and then Dil Dylan was captured by, or taken in by, depending on your point of view, I guess, mm. um, the Bureau... And I, I, the way that I interpreted it uh, was that the power just kind of corrupted him. Like he, he, and and you find out later. Obviously, they have also been watching Jesse this entire time as well. Um, but they, they were both kind of candidates to be the director of the bureau. Um, he just, I, I, it seemed to me like he just was not able to handle that. Like it just, it. Maybe just because he already had something um, in him that was just not conducive to to dealing with that that amount of power, and she was. But yeah. they, I don't think they go into that sufficiently for my uh, opinion. But mm. um, but yeah, so it's all in the text, possibly. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, there's yeah, there's there is some of that, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of what why I think or what I took away as being. Um, kind of why he was just a an all-powerful uh, being locked up in a cell because he's, you know, mm. yeah. I, yeah. I, I just uh, possessed by something that is not quite him, but he's sort of in there somewhere, probably. Mm. Yeah, I think my understanding of it was that he was more powerful of the two, but he couldn't control, yeah. um, you know, fit, quite fittingly again, mm. uh, what it was, whereas... Mm. She had so much control that they weren't sure how powerful she was. Right, possibly um, because so that, of this the the Polaris thing. Yeah, the, that was like a bonded uh, connection between the two of them, mm. uh, which is amazing that we're talking about all this wackiness in a game and we're not even 
talk we, it took us an hour to talk about the voice in your character's head that might control all your actions <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah it's uh it, it's quite fascinating but they could have gone a little bit more into that it, it's it's so much from Jessie's perspective that she's lived with Polaris that it's never really explained right why or what Polaris actually does in, in terms of things it's just Polaris has kind of always been there since they discovered the projector as kids yeah that's the impression i got from as somebody who didn't read a lot of the many collectibles um so i'm coming from the point of view of uh, only being told what the game outright told me rather than uh having to read so uh but that's it sounds like it sounds like i had a similar fundamental take as to what was going on i'm not sure if this is uh this is gonna uh fill out the bingo card um but this is uh kind of what i get f- not frustrated with but i don't connect with with um dark souls and soulsborne players when they say that mm-hmm. like the lore is all buried mm-hmm. in the in the, yeah. the item description this and that like i i played i played 100 hours of elden ring i have no idea what that game was about i loved it <laughs> but i have no clue what it was about um yeah there's a me there's literally a meme about that isn't there where they're trying to <laughs> yeah. where, where he's, miyazaki's trying to get um George R. R. Martin involved, yeah. and mm-hmm. the selling point was you don't even have to fill all the law in. The best thing is the fans will do it for <laughs> yeah, you. Exactly. And he's like, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> so, Very true. So, I, but the the reason I, I don't connect with those games from a story perspective, but I, for some reason I was willing to take that leap here, and I'm not, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what is different about it. I think I might just like mm. Remedy's style of, of doing it. I felt the same way about Alan Wake, and, and probably the, the same thing. Um, the thing I... I, I grew comfortable with, and this is probably because of my history with Remedy games is that I, I know that if I if I were to try to if I were to try to you know pegboard this out with all the strings attached, I know that it would probably fall apart. Like I really do. Um, it, it probably mm-hmm. doesn't all make sense perfectly with mm. it, but I kind of accept that supernatural mystery around it to kind of let that fill in the gaps. Like, why does any of this make sense? Like, I, for some reason, I'm willing to have that you know kind of suspension of disbelief there. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's ever, even in all of the the notes and everything else, I don't think it's ever fully explained why Dylan couldn't control it and she, and she could. I don't. It never really got there. Um, I don't. I think. think it it the lightest notes that we've got about it is, and it does try to differentiate the difference between um, an object of power and an altered world event, right? Because they can both they can both represent themselves in the same manner, but some are that powerful that they are classed as altered world events. And obviously the projector was an altered world event, not an object of power. Um, And that was essentially so powerful that they were aware of, because I I, I think they could do meter readings of the the impact of, you know, all the clickety clicks that they could see what the radiation, et cetera, was. Um, So they knew it was really powerful. Um, and, And you're absolutely right, Brian, you know, I, th- I think if you really get it all under a microscope, a lot like the X-Files, uh, some certain things don't actually connect or make sense, but it adds to the mystery to have it there. And there's just enough to keep it going um, in, in the right direction. And it you could call it lazy, you could call it poor, you could call it excuse making or whatever, but it, it arguably makes it a, a more enjoyable experience to uh, in terms of streamlining. But yeah, it, it's not the best explained thing, but there are elements within documentation that that does at least expand on it a little bit more than the surface level of just playing it like you did leon yeah and there are almost certainly plenty of uh, uh in fact i've i've found a few in my 
putting this show together, but uh, haven't had time to absorb them all. But there are inevitably uh, video essayists out there putting it all together for you and helping kind of digest it into more uh, accessible chunks of lore. Uh, John Cheatham from our forum says, everybody talks about the ashtray maze, rightly so, it's great. But what about the moment when you step off an industrial platform and are suddenly floating through a surreal forest while a Finnish waltz plays? It's an incredible moment. The game does X-Files vibes and journeys into the surreal as well as, as well as anything I've played, supported by some terrific voice and mocap performances and moments of absurdist humour and intense eeriness. Jesse is a fantastic lead and your quest givers are a supporting cast of nervous middle management who look like they've just run out of cigarettes. <laughs> can we can we talk about, uh, speaking of the uh, the forest and the Finnish waltz and everything, can we talk about mm. Ati for a minute? Please do. I yeah, just Ati's think he's amazing. great. He's, he's probably yeah. my favorite character after Jesse. Um, mm. Just because, like, he is clearly incredibly powerful. Like, he, yeah. he is probably one of the most powerful characters in this game aside from, like, Jesse, maybe. And he just kind of seems to exist outside of everything else that's going on Mm. and just plays by, you know, his own rules, I suppose. And, yeah, yeah, I I don't know. I just, I thought Ati was great. And the fact that Jesse just kind of takes him in stride and, you know, is kind of just cool with whatever it is he's doing uh, is is fantastic, too. Yeah, they kind of started that relationship when she's just kind of like, yeah, I, I, I did janitor jobs before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, like this is the guy who knows what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. that's her initial impression. And then it becomes very clear, like, you start reading some of the things, not to be a broken record, but it's like, yeah, don't mess with the janitor's routine. He's he's always been here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really know what's going on with him, but just let him do his thing. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Um, How do you even get in this area? He hasn't got a key. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's just um, he, he brings that air of mystery and kind of, his kind of um, like his broken colloquialisms he uses for English too are, are like charming and and interesting in a way that like makes you really wonder like like where what is his true origin story and and what is his nature mm. when it comes to the house and 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 the upkeep of the oldest house and his connection kind of t- to the to the board and everything else. It's it, he's a He's a wonderful mystery that I don't think I'll ever have the answer for. But um, every time you hear that music playing and hear his voice coming, it's just like you know you're about to you know you're about to get up to something. <laughs> he, uh, he, if yep. you end his quest lines, he goes off on holiday. Mm-hmm. Yep, into the sun. Kermit McElmo from our forum says, "I was a huge fan of Alan Wake, and this game certainly lived up to expectations, especially when it connected into the universe. The story is confusing yet fantastic and trippy." Back to the Twilight Zone, Twin Peaks, X-Files vibe of Alan Wake. I think I understood it. <laughs> That's about right. Yeah. Me, yeah. me yeah. too. We talked a bit about the visual side of things, talking about the the office uh, itself, the building. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the graphical side of things and the technical. Um, we talked about the issues, but I think it's also good to talk about having now played it uh, on a PlayStation 5 and uh, as i say i imagine if you've got the if you've got the right hardware the pc version can give you even more bang for your buck visually but uh i played uh 95% in the performance mode cuz i slightly favor 60 frames a second over uh, extra fidelity but i did play a few hours in the ray tracing mode because uh it does 
it, mm. it is really impressive. Um, just things like when you're running around an office building and you run up to some glass and you can actually see yourself in it and you know that that's accurately being calculated all around the room is um, is, is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I think overall visually for a game that obviously some people find pretty dull, um, with the kind of the incorporation of all the the supernatural elements, the the various corruptions, the darkness, the mold, uh, the hiss, and the use of uh, lighting and um, fire occasionally in the furnace, and or that I th- I mean I actually think once you get outside of, of the initial area, which is I guess designed to kind of bed you in, and and you will return to uh, the the more mundane parts of the office. Actually, when I think of you know see images of this game flashing across my mind it's more about you know kind of me floating up 30 feet in the air throwing enormous chunks of debris at uh glowing ghost-like enemies and uh and that's where the technical side of this game when it does when it can maintain a frame rate on on current gen hardware um it is really impressive stuff and segueing into the gameplay side of things the fact that there is so much visual feedback and audio feedback from your to your destruction is really the hook that made me enjoy playing this game for whatever i did 20 30 hours i never got bored of the that noise it makes when you suck objects towards you and fling them out and yeah. uh knock things ragdolling backwards and I know I realize I've gone from graphics into feel there, but I, I obviously there is I think there is quite a strong connection. I, I think there definitely is a strong connection there because um, playing. So I, I I obviously I loved how it looked. Uh, I kind of covered that in terms of the original release on the previous generation. But um, one thing I didn't think I would be playing the ultimate edition in was thirty frames a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually did play it in ray traced thirty. Um, Yes, that feel is a little bit heavier, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of in terms of the approach that you would naturally get in terms of thirty frames per second. But the the way that light and obviously light is part of the the whole ray tracing aspect. But there's a strange feel to a depth of light, not against a surface, but between you, the character, and that surface mm. that. It feels like it has a genuine depth there that you could actually touch. It's very strange. It's like a, in the same way you would imagine, like a fog in an environment or a mist. And it really just gives it this beautiful depth and feel as you're looking at an environment as opposed to just appreciating how something looks. So I, like, for, for me, there is definitely a correlation between um, sort of the look and the feel of. Uh, the graphics in terms of playing it yeah i i i agree with the way the ray tracing looks carl i i chose to play in 60 fps um just because that i I didn't realize i cared about that stuff until the new console generation and now i have a gaming laptop and now i think i'm mr technical whiz or whatever but um (laughs) now now i i do appreciate that stuff more than i ever did um the thing that i think mirrors everything you said about the ray tracing is just kind of the art treatment to kind of everything in this game um i think it i i think it's easy to say like like the 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 absence of color as a choice is really yeah. impactful because then when color is introduced it's like it's striking 
and it, and it and it draws the eye in an obvious way. And I'm not just talking about like the glowing red hallways or like the yellow post-it note room and things like that. All very cool. Um, but even just like like blinking lights and and kind of the way that the 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 light swells from areas you are supposed to go to, and then when you yeah. anytime you walk into a new area, it gives you that visual treatment where that brutal font just takes the whole screen and just says, you know, yeah, a containment. And it's just the, the entire love of the, the sound design with that as well. Oh, the it's boom. just yeah, yeah. It's, there's yeah. something about that that so, and it's easy for me to say as someone who's made a grand total of zero video games. But it really feels like a cohesive and unique vision. So, like when I hear people are turned off by it, I'm not surprised because mm. anything that has a cohesive and unique vision will draw some in and, and turn others away. And right. to me, that's that's a well realized vision as opposed to kind of having a lot of middle of the road feelings about it. And mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that if they just in- decided to you know just just include a bunch of blue color tones in a room, it would have ruined it. It was just. It seemed like a very conscious choice that was carried throughout the entirety of the game. And um, like just the contrast of being in the oldest house and then going to the astral train plane and just having these bright fields of white that stretch on forever with that inverted pyramid monolith in the middle. It's just like everything this game was saying to me visually, I was super down for. And I was just like, yep, uh, yep, yep. This is what I have, this is incredibly my thing right here. And um and it only increased throughout throughout the game. Um, a couple areas maybe that didn't hit as hard as others, but it just it has a visual style that just kind of it really goes for one vision, and I think it accomplishes it like really really well. Um, Lee Davies from our Patreon says, "I waited to play this game on the Series X because I heard about some performance issues on PS4. I'm so glad I did. The game is stunning to look at with ray tracing switched on. There's some." music in the game uh there's the 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 original score stuff which is i would say broadly quite subtle used for ambient mood there's some sort of quite interesting percussive percussion based pieces for combat and things like that uh and then there's various bits of uh actual music dotted around so remedy's ongoing relationship with the uh finnish band poets of the fall um, who play another band in the game, the Old Gods of Asgard, and and uh, and the the moment that uh, pl- plenty of our correspondents have mentioned features uh, their track uh, in prominent uh, use for the uh, for the ashtray maze. Um, anything anyone wants to say about either the the score or the use of uh, the the many licensed tracks in the game? So regarding the the um, the. Uh, poets of the fall stuff and the the old gods of asgard i i just wanted to throw it it's not exactly about the score but i really like that they used this band because this is the band from alan wake that's it. that you know yeah. is the the two older guys who may or may not actually be norse gods that's um, right and i i just i really because that that was something that like struck me when i was playing it through the first time i'm like is that is that the same? And I had to go look it up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it is them." Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I thought that was if, cool. Yeah. If that had been the only thing from Alan Wake that had come in, that still would have cemented it as being yeah. part of the same, like Red Apple cigarettes in Tarantino, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was actually thinking about the music when I was uh, playing today. I was finishing up the mold quests in the pit, you know, kind of getting all that stuff because yeah. I wanted to go do the, all the old other mold rooms and things, and and um. And yeah, just kind of the way um, it has, it kind of steals, I, I'm not sure if Gears of War was the first game to ever do this. If it wasn't, I apologize. 
but that big power cord at the end of a combat encounter in Gears of War, you know that <laughs> combat's done. It's done in this game too, but also much more subtle. Like the music kind of yeah. rises and falls and, and, and does these kind of wonderful things in there. And um, yeah, I, I just think you can, you can combine that with the sound design, with the actual sound of pulling those rocks up and then the, the wonderful, and I'm going to forget the name of it because I always do, it's the equivalent to a rocket launcher um in the game it's one of the last the charge it might be charge is the name of her weapon. i forget which um, one's which we're... but it, that rocket goes out and it doesn't detonate on impact it kind of sucks the enemy in before it detonates oh man that i mean you could put, yeah. bottle that and sell it to me because that 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 sound is just it's the same as the uh the callback of the leviathan axe in god of war right like it's just that that yeah. visceral kind of whoosh and it just kind of Oh man, it just yeah that those those moments are just um it's w- well designed across the board. I think it just kind of it all serves something else in the gameplay and works really well together. We should talk a bit about gameplay more, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> Chris Atwill from our Patreon says, while I loved the atmosphere and appreciated the tech- technical aspects, I didn't love the lackluster gunplay or the nagging feeling that I wasn't doing it right. <laughs> I don't really know what the cause of this feeling was, but it stayed with me throughout my playthrough. I wonder if I just didn't click with the main character and being dropped in media res with a heavy reliance on reading wordy text files didn't really help. The setting was suitably un- otherworldly and all of the characters were unsettling in various ways, but I think I just needed something to ground the story in the real world a little more in order to emphasise the stakes a little more. This game is kind of hard if you don't put on any of the... Um the uh, assists or any of the the options that you can i would say it can like it it, it or can i found be. it to be a kind it's of sp- hard well it say. spikes doesn't it i think um it does spike and i think my 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 thing is it's so it's very easy to feel like you're in control but they're pardon the pun etc <laughs> but then suddenly a particular combo of enemies spawning in can make very quick work of you no, no matter how many times you've upgraded your health bar or what uh what mods you're using to to improve your armor there are still points where you will just get crapped upon by two or three enemies and they will just knock all your health out and because of the particular way in which you have to heal in this game which is that you have to chip damage enemies or just kill them outright to collect little blue dots and you and it forces you to go out of cover you can't really unless there are some there are some encounters you can manage completely from behind things but if you do take any damage if something spawns behind you and whatever you have to put yourself out into the open so uh, yeah i think um my whole take on the combat was a lot of the time it was incredibly fun and enjoyable but then occasionally it would be really annoying and frustrating it's very active um like yeah you, you Like you were saying, Leon, you can't, most of the time, you cannot really just stand behind something because the the AI will come at you sometimes very aggressively, like with the enemies that'll run at you and then explode. Um, So, I I mean, it's, and that's not, that's not how I usually play those types of games. Like, I am very much a hole up in a spot and, you know, manage it from that spot. So I think that's probably why, at least, at least on my first playthrough, on my mm. second playthrough, I knew a little bit better what to expect, so I think I did find it a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, I I had some difficulty getting adjusted to that. The fact that I mean, it'll tell you this in like tooltips and stuff. Like standing still is not a good option in for the most part yeah. in this game. Keep dodging Come, and dashing. Yeah, like the gun. The gun. You spend a lot of time modding your gun and 
uh, and a I lot of resources uh, uh, boosting it and making it better. And you can, by, by late game, make it into a fairly powerful tool. But the thing is, there are always these multiple shielded enemies, or and and they have a real they have a real fun. I don't know if this game has something like Left 4 Dead's uh, AI director or uh, something like that. It feels like it does. Like it, it seems to um, chuck in different. Like I've I've replayed the same areas and had different waves of enemies, different combos of enemies. They they take great pleasure in doing these ads, which give everyone a. Uh, regenerating health oh, I hate those and and, <laughs> yeah. and regenerating shields and so uh yeah it can it can sometimes feel a little bit attritional um i found uh like it sometimes it's it's really fun and satisfying and at other times just a, yeah as i said just um just a little bit frustrating the, the gun feels a little bit even even when it is powered up the gun can feel a little bit puny and ineffectual against some of the the big bads and some of them dodge the things when you throw at them, so you do need oh, to bust the gun yeah, out. Sometime. Yeah, the floating ones. Yeah, those could yeah. be a real yeah. pain. Um, Miss them twice before you hit yeah. them. The third yeah, time. that's why I kind of I, I really came to rely on. I mean, they start you out with a pistol and the shotgun, right? It's a, a grip and shatter, and that's then it. you get pierce and spin next, I believe. Mm -hmm. And spin is the one that I end up using all the time. Basically, the the handheld Gatling gun, um, just yeah. because. I felt that like a cl an entire clip of that was the perfect time for my psycho power to recharge. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'd get out of throws and right. I would just like yeah. lay down a whole clip of spin. And then by the time I'd be able to start throwing again, um, I'm not going to say it becomes one note. It is probably the area where I do feel like the the great thing in that was enemy variety. And like you said, Le uh, Leon, that the, the combat encounters kind of do change enough. And then just when you think you have the upper hand, like Leah said, and the AI or whatever, you might just have like a an enemy spawn behind you, like that orange cloud pops up like yep. right next to you and you just got to bail. Um, so those are the more interesting um, problems, I think, in combat. Um, but once you, once you get levitate and you can just fly through the air and throw rocks at things, like I don't know why you'd do anything else. Like it, it feels <laughs> awesome to do those two things yeah. in, in, you know, in combo. Also, well, when those... you can start uh, catching their rockets and grenades and throwing them oh, back, yeah, that's, exactly. that's very satisfying. <laughs> Maybe every game, no matter how supposedly realistic, should let you do that. Uh, what are those? Engine what are those Ban Banjo really and Kazooie scary. just lifting <laughs> yeah. rocks out and throwing them at Gruntilda? Eggs. <laughs> um, what What are those? Re the, the 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 probably the most survival horror like enemy in the entire game are those ones that drift about all secret invisible like and then suddenly mm. appear and spit a load of goo at you which seems to take off most of your health bar no matter how much health you have yeah they're, they're uh, unpleasant they're mean. yeah it's it's very like i had a, had some trouble with those like you can kind of sort of see where they are like if you are paying attention like you can even when they're invisible you can sort of see like the distortion that they cause but there's not a whole yes. lot you can do about it uh, until no. until they pop up. You can kind of yeah. throw things in their general direction, but you can't really target them. Yeah. And they make a scary noise. Yes, they do. Yeah, I can't remember what they are. But I seem to remember in my own head, I called them vampires. I don't know if any of the documentation link leads to them being called like vampires hiss or something, something. along those lines. They're all called hiss something. There's a log for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Wes Foster from our Patreon says, like many games before it, I used this upcoming podcast as an excuse to clear it off my backlog. I waited until the Series X version update, but this game is hard work at times and it turned into a race just to get it finished. The combat is all over the place. One minute you're taking out hordes of enemies with ease using all your abilities. 
the next you're down to a sliver of health for seemingly no particular reason, running away, unable to pick, even pick something up to hurl as you frantically wait for your gun to reload. The story is interesting, but never really gets going and then just kind of ends with some off-screen narration. Yes, the ashtray maze is great, but large portions of the game are dull and repetitive. Also, who is reading all those collectibles? Me. It's me. <laughs> I am reading all these collectibles. <laughs> I am, yeah, I am reader. Yes. Everyone on this show except me. <laughs> uh, yes, Telepri, we've already had that comment about the, the logs. Um, <laughs> more on the comment. Rick Buxton. More on the combat, even. Rick Buxton from our Patreon says, This was one of my favourite games over the last few years. I've not played anything quite like it. It has a distinctively austere yet evocative production design, and the combat sequences were fantastic. The telekinesis power was particularly visceral and satisfying, hurling pieces of the scenery at enemies never got old. There was enough of a range of powers and weapons to keep the action scenes fresh and exciting without overwhelming you with choice. It could be frustrating at times, but when you're firing on all cylinders, it feels like a great simulation of being a superhero or Jedi, but without a cape in sight. Yeah, I mean, that was the, the game that this reminded me of the most in some ways was The Force Unleashed, uh, which uh, yeah, is a, a flawed game. It's recently had a, or one of the versions of it has recently had a remaster on Switch. But for you know, lifelong Star Wars fans to finally get to play i know it wasn't the first game in what in which you got to play a jedi but it was a game in which you an action game in which you got to play a jedi with powers where you could throw stormtroopers through the air and this game just uh where that game felt a bit wobbly and and loose and uh weedy in places this game kind of uh took those throwing things about with your hand fantasies i'm only sad that uh even at the end of my playthrough as it is now which is having done almost everything that i want to do i still haven't unlocked the triple throw thing which is very far down the uh it's like the, the last thing it, and it yeah, takes it like eight points to unlock yeah you just gotta prioritize <laughs> yeah right i would need loads more i would need, need to do loads more um of the kind of uh, what are they like? Um, procedurally generated side yeah, quests, I guess. Board countermeasures. Finding secrets. Yeah. yeah, if you find the secrets, you get one unlock point per secret. Yeah, yeah mm. find a hidden room. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, that was actually one of the ways I. That was the last achievement I unlocked when I thousand pointed because I yeah. had to get some extra XP to unlock a hundred abilities. I think is the one mm -hmm. um, or a hundred ability points. Excuse me. Um, I find that uh, some of the mods and upgrade stuff is um is pretty superfluous. Like um. Hmm. Like I, I don't I like the upgrade tree for the powers and things like that, but the mods for the weapons themselves, I just I, it's money. Yeah, like it makes it it feels like one of those things that should be in a game, right? You get weapons, you want to upgrade them, you want to mod them. Like we just kind of built for that now. Yeah. But I would have been fine with this weird, you know, morphing gun to just change in these forms and never have to think about it again. Like I, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and and I don't, and I know that. It's it's such an RPG thing, like RPG elements are in everything now, and yeah. um, I like I don't want to be the most powerful person in the world at the beginning of the game, but like I guess it makes sense if you use the power more, you get better at using it. I, I don't know, it just it seems a little bit kind of tacked on and unnecessary to a game like this. Um, but 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 I I don't hate it. The weapon mod stuff is I think more unnecessary than the than the ability mod uh things. Yeah, I think I think the weapon mod thing is the clumsiest thing in the whole game, and I felt that yeah. the first time I did it, and I definitely felt it the second time I went through the game. 
It it makes no sense. I think it's likely, for me at least, a, a kind of a function of the fact that the weapons themselves are not that important later mm, on. Yeah. Um. So the fact that you're spending all of this effort kind of making them marginally better and you know tweaking mm. minor elements of what it is that they're doing it just yeah. it just didn't feel it felt like i was putting in too much effort for too little reward there um yeah. exactly and, yeah you couldn't yeah. you couldn't differentiate between a a level one two three four or five really in terms of the impact in that category and i just shot ones onto each gun that was going to benefit my powers you get so, so many if i mods. cool down to my powers yeah, yeah 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 it's constant and then there's no quick sell for them all yeah and you don't have an unending inventory so eventually you have to stop and mm-hmm. dismantle Purge them. them and yeah exactly yes. and you can't select multiple to d- dismantle nope. all at once you know so and it's a hold yeah. it's a hold to yeah, dismantle hold to dismantle. exactly <laughs> yeah 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 lee davies Patreon again says, I think they do Jedi-like powers better than any Star Wars game ever has. What if the service mm-hmm. weapon was a lightsaber, man? Ooh. Yeah. Maybe they should. Now that uh, the Star Wars license is apparently being handled by <laughs> multiple. Go. Give it to Remedy. Give it to Remedy. Migsy nah, we'll think and... Quantic Dream instead. You know, they're known for <laughs> their handling of. Oh, I'm sorry. Very sensitive. And... <laughs> I couldn't not make that joke. Um, but yeah. You're not, they're the ones that make the job. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mixymatosis from her Patreon says, The drip feed of upgrades to Jesse's powers kept me hooked throughout. Games try to fulfill a power fantasy and control is one that truly delivers. Let's talk about the ashtray maze because so many people wanted to. I think there's more <laughs> videos about this than, than just about anything else. It was uh, included in a lot of moments of the year 2019 kind of list and stuff like that but first i want to say did anyone else get to the ashtray maze before they'd found the walkman like i did the yes. first time i played yeah. it yes yep. Me too. Yeah. did anyone yep. spend 20 minutes or so going around in circles trying to work out how to kick this thing off yep. <laughs> Good. i might okay. have the first time i think i absolutely yeah. did <laughs> oh yeah, no absolutely the, the first time, time because yeah the first time i was I was doing a lot more <laughs> this the second time i played i didn't really do much in the way of like the um the bureau alerts and and the like the board countermeasures i didn't do that much of that uh, just because i didn't i didn't feel like i needed to but the first time i did a ton of that and it led me to some places that i definitely was not supposed to be ahead of when i was supposed to be there yeah and Mm. that that's what happened with the ashtray maze yeah it doesn't tell you that you're not supposed to be there (laughs) there's a collectible piece of information so that's the piece of information that you collect where Mm. someone reports how is Artie on the other side of it (laughs) He he does he's not supposed to be, how like how did he get through it yeah. shouldn't be possible and then I was like I'm going to go and find Artie yeah. and that's when I found right. out that I needed the walkman yeah because otherwise it it kind of it starts off it does a thing like the rooms morph and change and you go through and then it seems like there's a trick to try to get through this doorway yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, that opens up but it always closes and you're like what am I missing and there's paintings <laughs> on the wall that seem to be clues and uh, and it turns out it's just like maybe at some point they should have had like if it was i know there's a lot of jokes about uh uh poor old uh aloy in um in horizon 2 just over explaining every puzzle (laughs) and saying like maybe you should try this no that didn't work maybe i should do this um it would have been nice to have jesse at this point saying i don't think i can get through here without speaking to Artie first something like that (laughs) you know uh anyway 
Quiet Paul from the forum says, The ashtray maze is the standout part for me, blazing through an ever-changing maze to the blasts of old gods of Asgard, poets of the fall, filling my ears while I destroy hordes of enemies with relative ease. It's a welcome break in the story from all the built-up tension. I dare say one of my favourite moments in gaming. Hyperdeath84 from the forum says, The culmination of Jesse's escalating powers occurs in the wonderful ashtray maze, an absolute standout sequence that instantly became one of my favourite gaming moments ever. And Seth from the forum says, I almost punched the air when the similarly impressed Jesse exclaims, that was awesome, because it really is. How, how cool must it have been like to to make that section of the game and then and then write that bit of dialogue there? I love and that like, confidence. Yeah, it's just like you, like you, <laughs> yeah, you, you, didn't you. you knew what you did. And um, yeah, and it's not it's it's not by far the most interesting like combat sequence in video no. games or anything. It's just. There's something about the visual language of those rooms changing and the floating and the like. It's really like um, <laughs> like uh, Hyperdeath said, like it's it's everything of the game coming together at once. Um, it's yeah, it's it's a standout. I played through it the second time and I intentionally died so I could restart and do it again because uh, <laughs> I just I just like it. It's 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 just cool as hell. It's really it's it a really is. cool moment. So that was actually that was actually going to be my one tiny complaint about it was the first time I did it I did die like yeah, in yeah. the middle of it Me too. and Me too. it loses a little bit of the impact if that agreed happens. agreed um, now the second time I did not die I just made it through in one go and that was really cool it was I mean it was still really cool but it yeah. it is best taken as an entire chunk I think there's a room in the middle which I bet you and I died in the same place Probably. there's a it's it's <laughs> one of those multi shielded kind of you know, mm-hmm. dudes that's throwing rockets at you or something. And yeah, it's quite easy to get taken down I yeah. felt anyway. But yes, I totally agree. So I thought it was a really cool moment and something that I really enjoyed. What made me know that it was a cool moment was when literally every single personal friend I have in real life that played Both this game. Sorry. <laughs> all, all two. Slaughtered. So Josh is a, I'm Josh glad, is you, I'm glad I, you got I, from I all the one. Um... All messaged me on like uh, WhatsApp or whatever to go just on the ashtray maze. Wow! Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, like all of them that that played this game, um, that was the moment that they meant messaged me uh, to just to say that they'd actually done that bit in the game without me actually saying wait till you get to that bit. So yeah, that that's the bit that kind of confirmed that actually, do you know what they they really nailed a cool moment in gaming you'd really have to play a lot to get there though that's the only thing you this do, is yeah, like, as much sure. as because there may have been a lot of people who have we've heard, as we've heard bounced off this game for whatever reason don't much like the the rest of the gameplay or the or at least the building up to the point that you can do the ashtray maze when you've got nearly all your powers and everything else uh you're gonna have to play the game for i would say minimum of what 15 hours to get to the ashtray maze maybe i would say so it's not it's uh, as, as I said earlier, this is definitely not a short game. Yeah. It's longer than I thought the first time, and then I was like, oh, I'll blast through it the second time. No, it still took me quite a long time. Probably feels longer to me because I, I, my first experience was with the all the DLC included, and I started doing both yeah. DLCs before I realised that they weren't part of the the main quest line. I was just kind of you know picking up missions as I went, and uh, if you do play, which is Presumably, how a lot of people would play it now would be the whole thing in one go. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not a short game for sure. And so, yeah, if you if if you only want to play the ashtray maze, not really an option. <laughs> anyway, 
plenty of YouTube uh, videos, though, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Not quite the same, but no. we'll give you the give you a flavor. The boss fights, uh, most of them are kind of arena battles with uh, enemies with longer names and longer health bars, I would say. But there are a few that are actual boss fights, big, yeah, uh, Cthuloid monsters or uh, various things like this with with eyeballs and patterns and and moves to dodge. Uh, there's one, the former that I fought. Is it two yeah. or three times? Um, I had uh, I didn't hate it, but I had some irritations where uh, it smashes open holes in the uh, in the platform that you're on, and you can quite yeah, easily just step. If you're backwards locked into onto one. it, you can't really see where That's it's it. smashing. Was my yeah, problem. yeah. There is one section, yes. uh, and I think it might be in the DLC, in the first DLC, um, where you can fight the former, but you don't have to. Like, it sends mm. you to the thing. I, I didn't realize this, because, like, the first time I attacked it, because, you know, and I, we fought this thing before, but, like, you can actually just go and talk to it, and it, it, still, it right. still advances the plot. I, I did not realize that. I, I yeah. think I, I can't remember what I did the first time around, but this time I just talked to it, and it worked. <laughs> So if there's one one spot where this game does fall apart for me. It's probably in these moments. Um, right. It's because uh, either it's either a boss fight like the former or like the uh, mold one. I think it's called or mold zero. I can't remember uh -huh. in the pit, which Flower is very thing, similar. Yeah. Um, and, or it's like those long combat encounters, like you're spiraling up to like Polaris or like the very final one where you're trying to get the slide projector, and it just yeah. it just kind of takes like those small combat arena moments and elongates them in a way that I don't find satisfying, um, right. more frustrating than anything. And um, checkpointing is normally fairly generous. Sometimes it'll make you start from the beginning. Other times it'll just kind of like checkpoint you in between each subsequent encounter. Um, so it's not too bad, but, um, but yeah, it just though, as the game went on, those were increasingly not the things I was there for. So yeah. like, so then when you get to the end and there's longer parts mm. of them, I'm already still like, well, no, wait, give me, Get me back to the rubber duck that keeps disappearing. And I just got to chase it around. You know, like it's it's like it's one yeah. of those things that like the more you play the game, I think the less I appreciated those longer encounters. But what if they'd made the ashtray maze the final bit of the game? Yes, Everyone would have right. come away going, that was awesome. Ex yeah. Uh, Finish the ashtray mage, punt the slide projector into space. Game yeah, over. Roll credits. Totally. Jesse's fist in the air like the end of Breakfast Club. Like that would be <laughs> um, uh, something else. Um, but yeah, it, it's not. Again, I don't think they're necessarily bad. It's just mm. increasingly became not why I wanted to play more of the game. So yeah, agreed. I the the one that I I mentioned that I switched the uh, the one hit kill mode on for was actually the uh, final boss of the Alan Wake DLC, uh, where you have to fight the final form Professor whatever is Hartman, Hartman. that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, which, God. That is that's just so nasty. Like, it's a cool idea, because <laughs> yeah. I like that it's, like, kind of a puzzle thing. You know, you have yeah. to get everything yeah, yeah, turned yeah. on. But he just, he regenerates his shield so fast, and you can't, yeah. like, you don't chip away at it. You kind of have to do it all in one shot for yeah. that last part. And if you die, you start all over again. So yeah. I, after fighting that for quite a while, the second time around, I'm like, you know what? I, I just, no, not, not yep, this time. Same. Yeah, completely yep. agree. Just yep. annoying. Uh, yeah, I like, I like the, uh, as, I, as you said, Leah, I like the puzzle. I like the, the, all the bits leading up to it. There was some good survival horror in that. Mm -hmm. uh with some some but then yeah it, it, the the my issues with this game nearly always come down to shields on enemies yeah. 
because uh, they're just I didn't find them that I don't know like on the basic enemies that have shields it's pretty fun to chuck a chest of drawers or a stalagmite <laughs> at them and take it off but <laughs> right. when they start getting multiples and and regenerating it's just like oh. there was those moments in the black rock quarry that I found frustrating too where uh, you'd have the combat encounters but you also had those weird pulsing orbs of whatever uh, coming indestructible yeah. indestructible yeah. yeah so you just yeah. kind of had to evade them and the one puzzle with the one who that was kind of contained was kind of fun you know you had to run yeah, around yeah, and yeah. trap it like that was cool but when you were just in the black rock quarry and there's guy like his snipers up on the ridge and then you're trying to take him out with telekinesis all of a sudden this bulldozer of black mass comes <laughs> behind you and just kind of eats you alive like yeah there were some moments like that where it's like really like um you know kind of had some struggles with yeah, and and as always, I'm torn between, like, I do understand that uh, a challenge can be more satisfying if you overcome it than just, yeah, you wouldn't, I, I don't think I'd have enjoyed this game as much if I'd just switched on all the, you know, the God mode and the one hit kills from the start. There was definitely some excitement and challenge to be had, but uh, but there are limits to how far that I, I want that pushed, I suppose, for an experience of this type, which I, I suppose I consider a more kind of popcorn-y, cinematic-y kind of game that i want to complete and and see everything of i don't necessarily i'm not playing it to kind of you know uh get hairs on my chest or whatever you know it's uh <laughs> i it's, am it's <laughs> well good luck with that um so yeah i don't know mixed feelings and 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 in terms of like i do feel there are some modern games which are extremely soft on penalizing for death to the point that it removes all jeopardy but also i i am completely uh somebody who thinks that games should respect my time and and be fair and and all that kind of thing so i do think it's i, I think games designers are just there is there is no perfect solution or one size fits all solution to this um and of course yeah sometimes there are going to be combat encounters that one doesn't like in a game and luckily this game gives you the the option to either make it incredibly hard or trivially easy. John Cheatham from our forum says, combined with the ability to rip chunks out of the walls and hurl them at foes, then rip same foes from their feet and throw them into others, all while levitating around like a straight up demigod. And this should be almost an all timer. Encounters with hard to hit flying enemies and Ubisoft style armored goons with regenerating shields are exhausting and tedious rather than exciting with Jesse being way too squishy and the obnoxious checkpointing often requiring you to repeat long sections if you die. The bosses, the bosses are especially guilty of this, with all of them doing massive damage, having waves of ads and far too many opportunities for you to end up in a loading screen. At least this was the case when I played it, before they very sensibly added some quality of life options like one-hit kills. I believe I remember reading at the near the time before the next gen complete edition they 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 made some player friendly updates in just early patches didn't they in some i remember reading one some i can't remember which fight it was but there was one where you could just fall off all the time and they patched in some walls or something to stop you just falling off the edge of something i can't remember i don't remember which fight it was Carl, do you remember? The only one that ever comes to mind for being really problematic was uh, the the Cthulhu-like monster that yeah. puts holes in the floor, but even in still the old edition, you can still fall straight through. Yeah. Um, that one drove me insane. Yeah, good. 
It's always just nice to not be alone with these things. <laughs> Tolkien Taters from our forum says, I love this game. I've played it twice, once on Xbox One and once on PS5. I think the main thing that stands out is the aesthetic and tone. It looks fantastic with moody lighting, brutalist architecture and an impressive degree of chaos when the combat starts. I love Jesse's internal monologue and reactions to the bizarre characters that work at the FBC. The little tidbits you find and read are fantastic and I'm not going to forget the fridge guy. The only real downsides for me are a slightly confusing ending that peaks a little early with the ashtray maze and some choppy performance on last gen hardware. So yes, those two DLCs, The Foundation and Ore, came out uh, in, is it later the same year? One of them was, Mar um, no, March 2020, and for The Foundation. Was and it June for real? August. June, August. three months okay. later, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, uh, well, I'm not actually sure about that. I'm just looking on Open Critic. But anyway, uh, they were both uh, reasonably well-reviewed. The Foundation has a 79 percent sort of score and or has a 77 so um wes foster from our patreon says the two dlc packs are okay but more of the same except that final boss hartman who is the most frustrating thing in an already frustrating game telepri also says i ended up turning on one hit will for the uh, one one hit kill for the alan wake boss and if i go back to do the other dlc i will probably turn on invincibility I appreciate having those options, but would have preferred a game that didn't compel me to use them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I mean, there's mm. uh, there's I liked the fact that I and I, I think we all probably would say this, say something similar, that it, it was really cool that they involved uh, Alan Wake in the story, mm -hmm. but just directly like that. But the gameplay was maybe not stand out. I don't know, actually. The Alan Wake stuff, I, I thought that the gameplay was kind of made a bit more interesting for me by the fact that there were new elements like you have to carry around light sources. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, yeah. that, that felt that felt right, given the gameplay yeah. from Alan Wake proper. Um, the foundation with the, the crystal uh, things where you can shatter and, and rebuild crystals, mm. I didn't like that as much. Uh, I, I, it worked pretty well, and I thought that it was fine, but it... It really did just kind of feel like a, a mini combat arena that was pulled from the main game. Um, mm. The story, the story part for that, um, I didn't think was as uh, compelling to me, anyway. Mm -hmm. the foundation felt for me, and and I I feel the exact same way that both of our correspondents did about the about them is that like the foundation felt very much like an idea that was scrapped from the main game. Mm -hmm. Like obviously, I can't know that. But like that shatter and recreate power, it's it's cool. Like it is cool. It's a unique idea. It's just um, it felt like it was it was specifically what it is like an add on. Like oh, you like control? Here's here's a little bit more control. How convenient um, that this particular mechanic only happens in this yes. specific area <laughs> exactly. of the game. Um, but Alan Wake for me was way more about the story. Like like yeah. you said, Leah, and it did have a couple other elements. I actually found the story a little underwhelming. There, I kind of. Um, was maybe looking for a little bit more clarity. This is someone coming as being a huge Alan Wake nerd. Like I was, I was hoping maybe we'd see like what happened to Alan Wake at like the end of Alan Wake. Like what would we get any real kind of resolution there? And, and, and obviously we didn't, and they had obviously grander plans as we now know for Alan Wake. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I was one of those things. I was just kind of glad it exists, but I don't find, I, I find it cool that there's more control to play, but I also don't find either one of them, like necessary if you just played the main game and didn't do either of these you're, i don't think you're missing out on much of the core 
experience there. Yeah. I mean, so the same thing happened to me both times. Um, I finished my first playthrough of the game not long after it came out. I hit that quite hard. I bought the season pass before the DLC was even yeah, me too. close yeah, me to too. being out, <laughs> and I was dead excited for it. And then it released, and I was like, I'll wait for the second one, and I'll play them both back-to-back. And then they both released, and I was like, do you know, I feel like I had my fill of control. And then... It went onto the podcast for this year, and I was like, right, I'm going to play the Ultimate Edition because that's out now. And I was quite aware of which missions were the DLC ones versus which ones weren't from my mm. past experience, which is obviously where Leon ended up playing some of the DLC mm-hmm. as it went through because it's merged together. And I was like, oh, I'll tackle that later on because I know that the, the, in terms of progression, if I do this, I'll get these powers and that, that'll be really beneficial. And then I finished the game and I was like well, I don't really want to play anymore. <laughs> like, I am yeah. burnt out. And I think if the game was like an eight, nine, ten hour game, yeah. great, I'd have flown into it. But, I mean, this game is... I, 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 the thing that surprised me about the length of this game was that I was shocked the second time I went through it and it still felt like a very long game. Uh, and it's not a bad thing because the powers and, and, and the world of, of the oldest house and and the way that the stories are structured and the side characters remains, for me, really consistently good all the way throughout the 20, 25 hours of whatever it took me to do the single-player campaign. But I feel like that is so well-measured that I didn't need any extensions on top of that. And now, normally, if I played a game and I would be and I loved it, I'd be crying out for more DLC. But it, it feels like they've got so much in that it was so well packaged and in terms like Brian's already mentioned, it felt like it met its vision in so many ways of things coming together that that for me was the package. It felt like they'd already put the DLC in that main game to make it that space. And then this stuff just felt like a a second team had built them. You know, we've all experienced DLCs for games before where it's like a secondary team's gone, they're going and throw these on as additions. Now, I love the concept of the Alan Wake expansion, and I you know, I love the fact that you just straight up there's Alan Wake, and you're talking, and you've got the Thomas Zane references, and you know that for me that was absolutely fantastic. I like the fact that you had to find lights to go and burn the dark, but mm. yeah, I like the fact that the boss battle was built around a puzzle because this game does do quite interesting things with some of the puzzles in terms of the challenges and and taking on the objective powers, but yeah, it still felt like it wasn't quite a fully fleshed out concept. And then the foundation, I fell off that quite quick. I'll be perfectly honest. I will go back and do it more, but I was really feeling the burnout because I did AWE before I did the foundation. Hyperdeath84 from the forum says, Control is one of my favourite games of its generation and one I hope gets a follow-up somewhere down the line. Seems quite realistic. I would suggest, with 2 million sales and 10 million players. At the very least, we got Alan Wake 2 coming at some point. Yeah, yeah exactly. Scott Lamond, finally from our Patreon, says, Aspects of the X-Files and Fringe had me intrigued immediately, exploring every nook and cranny to soak up the atmosphere created by the art design and the many, many documents, audio logs and creepy TV puppet shows. Unfortunately, the main story slightly lost its way before the end, but by then it didn't matter as the gameplay had really ratcheted up through the gears with Jesse growing more and more powerful. Take the stairs. I'll fly. Thank you. Shoot bullets. Pah. 
not when there's a perfectly good wall waiting to be broken apart and flung at the nearest enemy. I love this game. I don't have many platinum trophies, but Control is two of them, PS4 and PS5. And in the ashtray maze section, it contains a gaming moment that will stay with me forever. You know, we've got all the way to three word reviews uh, and we haven't actually mentioned the shield uh, ability, which is probably, uh, I imagine, some of the more uh, control expert players when we're talking about suddenly getting destroyed. Uh, it's like, use your shield. But actually, I found the shield was often not that effective in terms of blocking damage. I know you can power it up and power it up. Uh, and also, of course, normally when you need to use a shield, you're low on energy because you've just used it chucking stuff at the enemies. So I, I, I think shield isn't quite what I wanted it to be. I mean, I think it, it can it can be pretty good. I used it yeah. a, a fair amount during my first playthrough. Um, the problem yeah. is that it's hidden pretty well. Um, you, mm. you, and it's it's very possible to miss. Oh, really? um, oh yeah, it's it's in the. Um, it's in the like uh it, well I, I think that's the one that you get from um like the uh it's like a, a an obstacle course or something from uh that oh, you have to get I that you have see. to make it yes, through yes, yes. in uh in yeah. x amount in a minute or two minutes or whatever it is yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that's right yeah so yeah huh. but uh, i've completely forgotten where i got it <laughs> i totally forgot about that i actually got a really aggressive phone call off my dad about doing that in under a minute because he could not do it for the longest time and it was driving him insane yeah. Yeah. i think it only took me a couple of goes but i think i only used it to get the achievement related to it and then just yeah. kind of pass it <laughs> there off is forever. That. yeah yeah but, yeah but the shield is really good at a later level because uh, it observes it absorbs damage and then you can throw it all back out at the enemy yeah, you have to you have to upgrade it in my opinion to get it to be you, really useful yes. but yeah. Uh, yeah you do you yeah. can yeah also that was the second mention of the tv show fringe in recent issues of Ooh. the cane and rinse podcast the first season of that show was so good it was so oh, good. such a good yeah. show as you'd expect from such a relatively big and recent and popular game we've got a bunch of three word reviews thank you follow us on social media at cane and rinse gadget 8-bit says utterly useless map robert farley says preposterous paranormal concepts Alan Kinsella says, Twin Peaks Unleashed. Acapulco VIP says, Uncle Mr. Bones. Connor Hawk says, Answer the Hotline. John Cheatham, Corridors of Power. Tales from the Backlog, Watch the Fridge. <laughs> Generic Miller says, Collectibles Worth Reading. Quiet Paul says, Not So Ordinary. <laughs> the, the brilliantly titled <laughs> Cats and Cucumbers says, Fun, brain-bending, creative. Glitzertan says, Brutalist Metroidvania Bliss. Hyperdeath84 says, Hypnotic, beautiful, terrifying. And Wong Gifts says, That was awesome. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Thank you, everybody. So it just remains for us to summarize our feelings on control. I had a fun time playing control. There was a lot of it I really enjoyed. The core mechanic of uh, floating up into the air. Well, I say core mechanic. I mean, you, you, yeah, you definitely can't miss the, the floating levitation power, can you? Because you need it. Surely you need it to complete the game. Um, of, uh, yeah, generally floating or just running around on the floor, grabbing bits of the scenery, increasingly large bits of the scenery or objects around you and increasingly large enemies. 
also we didn't we didn't talk about possessing enemies you get to do that as well uh, and turning them over onto your team um all that stuff uh, was uh, was good fun as was exploring the uh, the environs in a, a sort of resident evil almost style but with yeah perhaps even larger metroidvania aspects um i found it yeah compelling and atmospheric and uh it was not a struggle to play through but all that said like there was nothing i don't think there was too much about the game that i absolutely fell head over heels in love with this is not going to be on my epic shelf it was a great time uh, a cracking kind of yeah i don't know if i, I mean i suppose it is triple a but it it's like two and a half a's is it maybe i don't know it's uh <laughs> it's like kind that. yeah um double a would be underselling it triple a makes you think it's kind of you know kind of the rock star naughty dog but maybe that's again that sort of level is is beyond re reality for most studios um it's a relatively small team i think compared to some of those uh ultra ultra uh high budget games um yeah it's um from a on a graphical level just as somebody who enjoys being in um kind of high tech video game worlds um even though i didn't get to play it on a pc which would give you the best of both worlds in terms of potential uh, resolution and frame rate and ray tracing and all that uh, playing it on a ps5 was uh, was wowing enough for my ears and eyes and um yeah even if i wasn't thoroughly invested in what was going on uh, all I knew was that I was having a fun time doing it. So, it was, yeah, it's kind of the equivalent for me of an afternoon movie that you had a great time watching, but then you probably won't necessarily think, I can't wait to buy the Blu-ray when that comes out or whatever. Anyway, yeah, it was good. I liked it. Carl? Yeah, so I, I was, obviously as someone that was really looking forward to Control coming out, you always have that fear that, you're going to be more excited and the game will under-deliver, particularly coming off the back of Quantum Break, which I didn't hate, but definitely had technical hiccups that really impacted the uh, console version. And I'm happy to say that I felt that in all the areas and more that I wanted that Remedy flair to sort of really kick in into their game design, I definitely got um, out of control it was probably my second favorite game of 2019 so it shows you how highly i th I, I do actually think of it as a title and if, when it comes to recommending it to people i still continually recommend it you know three years on we're now four years on um uh, a lot of people do now have access to it it was obviously originally an epic game store exclusive um, on PC, I think they've given it away as a free game. It's been given away on PlayStation as a PlayStation Plus title for the Ultimate Edition. I'm not sure if it has on Xbox or not. I think it was on um, Game Pass for um, a while. It was, I think I think for it might year. be on Game not Pass. Not anymore. So yeah. yeah, so, you know, you either likely have access to it or have had the possibility to get it. It's in sales quite often. And uh, as a package, I know many people seem concerned about short games. It's not that. It's it's definitely a substantial amount of game with some stellar quality graphics, fantastic sound design. Um, it really is all of the elements that Remedy can do really well. And if you were a fan of things like Max Payne 1 and 2 and especially Alan Wake, um, 
then it, it's definitely going to, uh, you know, touch upon many of those elements that made you enjoy those games. I'm absolutely certain of it. And, you know, even after 40 to 50 hours of total playtime across two playthroughs, I am still not sick of using the powers that Jesse has to be able to fly and throw rocks at people. I don't think I'll ever get sick of it. It is really, really well executed in this game. Uh, the combat is a hoot. The puzzles are a hoot. Solving the um, you know the object of power riddles and stuff that you get in there, a lot of fun. Uh, definitely, definitely recommend playing Control. Thanks, Carl. Uh, Leah, how about you? I think I've said most of what I have to say about uh, about this game, so I'll keep it kind of kind of short. Uh, I I really like Control. I think that the uh, the design of the areas you spend most of your time in is uh, brutal and also compelling because it's so brutal and such weird things are happening in such a mundane space. Uh, I think that if you enjoy things like, you know, everybody's mentioned X-Files and Fringe and um, just all, any of those supernaturally... Uh, mundane tv shows uh or movies or anything like that if that's an aesthetic and kind of a world that appeals to you then i think that this is something you could give a try even if it's not your normal um your normal preferred genre there are a lot of things that you can do with the accessibility options that would make it really worth a playthrough i think uh so yeah it definitely Definitely enjoyed the writing. I thought it was very funny. Uh, we didn't we didn't mention a ton of that, but there there mm. are some extremely humorous things like the duck that um, it just keeps quacking when you're mm. not looking at it, and the the fridge That's that you true. have to keep looking at, and you know Jesse saying that was awesome when she gets through a maze, and the the, the end of the game uh, at, when you load back in to potentially do DLC or mop things up when she when she finishes a thought that she had upon walking into the building Shawshank Redemption that was the name of the movie that was oh yeah that's yeah. just a, uh, a an example of why I think that yeah. this game is very funny and why Jesse Faden is the fourth greatest video game character of all time so yes, wow. um, yes, scientifically proven um, yeah so Ooh, I, I would recommend that you play this game if you have access to it um, and uh, enjoy and then go watch some X-Files I think it's probably streaming somewhere right Disney Plus ah, the whole okay. thing the whole thing uh, right, let's conclude with Brian then. Um, I'm going to uh, try to be brief, um, but um, this game is kind of like a twofold thing for me and it has a lot of yeah. meaning to me personally. Um, I, I I wrote an article for the blog once upon a time about, about Jesse Faden and, um, and, and the allegories that she shares with my mother in, in real life. And, and my mother has multiple sclerosis and was kind of handed a, a really bad deck of cards at a very difficult point in her life when her children were five and infant um, and was kind of forced to make a decision about how she was going to handle that uh, moving forward. And um, it's funny because there's a lot of obviously very popular and, and very well-known stories about people being faced with adversity and, and, um, and, and picking themselves up and moving on. And for some reason, I had, had never really been able to connect any of those uh, with with my mom's story until playing this game, or maybe at least not as effectively. But um, it's probably due to the fact that the protagonist in this game is a is a strong female who is um, who has been put through an immense amount of hardship and been forced to pick themselves up and, and to move forward and to find their own way forward in the best way they can. Um, 
it, it her story is one of facing adversity, overcoming it, and being put in a situation where she is not exactly comfortable being this person to be this uh, director, this role model, this um, this you know the kind of authority figure. And it ident- identified it with on such a personal way that it's tough for me to separate that emotional reaction. So that coupled with the fact that I think this is just a really fun and good video game made by w- one of my favorite video game developers. It just kind of was like the perfect storm for me. Um, Control is one of those games that like uh, that I'll never not think of in the fondest of terms because it it hit for me on almost every level that a, that a game can hit. It hit for me gameplay, hit for me stylistically, and it also hit it had an emotional resonance with me. So um, there is there's not much about this game um, that that I don't personally identify with. Now, when I turn my critical lens to it, I can find every criticism we we heard from our correspondents and from reviews uh, valid. The technical aspects of the map, uh, the story being convoluted, um, uh, kind of the drab nature of the of the facility itself. Um, but for me, on a personally, all those kind of things um, were overshadowed by how how well the game achieved its vision. So. Uh, Control is one of the all timers for me. The um, the epic shelf, I believe, is uh, how it's yeah, yeah. How it's um, re- referred to. It's going right Darren, on your Darren epic Gargat. shelf. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's up there for me, and and I'm I'm extremely interested to see what they do next. And 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 knowing that Alan Wake Two is coming up, um, it sure would make me uh, uh, thrilled if during Alan Wake Two's adventure, if uh, the director showed up for a for a side quest or two. So I'm. I'm I'm full on in for for whatever this team comes next because uh, this game has become one that's uh, pretty important to me. Brilliant, thanks, Brian. Yes, listener, you should go and check out Brian's piece, which was published on CanaRince.com back in November 2019. You search on our website for Jesse Faden, you'll find the article, or for Brian Edwards, I think that would probably work as well. Uh, like all things involving Brian. If you engage with it, it will probably improve your day in some way. Um, also, yes, uh, while I mentioned the website, canarince.com, we've had quite a few people contact us lately saying that our oldest shows, the early podcasts, are disappearing from various services. And that is simply because there is a hard limit cap on most of these services for number of podcasts you can go and you can have on there. And we've been going for over a decade. And so they're starting to get chopped off. Um, But all you need to do is go to canarince.com and they're all on there. Just search the title of the game you're after. Or there's even a page where you can, uh, if you go to the drop down podcasts and find complete volume listening, It'll take you right there. So there we go. The archive is still available, just as it is in the oldest building. So it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian, Carl, Leah, Editor Jay, all of our correspondents, and of course, to you for listening. Next time, in issue 521, I've been waiting a long time to say this. It gives me great pleasure to tell you that our next podcast will be all about Rainbow Islands, the story of Bubble Bobble 2. Luulin merta kerran, runon lausui hän. 
Mysteerinsen syövereissä vietti elämän. Alla synkän valtameren varjoisvaeltaan. Etsii tietä valon luokse armaa. 